You're listening to the Turn Again Ministries podcast with evangelist Aaron Pratt. Turn Again Ministries is based out of Fellowship Baptist Church in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is dedicated to bringing America back to its godly heritage. Let's prepare our hearts as evangelist Aaron Pratt brings forth God's word to us today. All right, open your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans in chapter number 8 is where we will be this morning. Whatever the will of God is for you, you can trust God in all things. You can trust that he will provide for you in whatever that thing may be. Um, Pastor sent me a text while I was in bed last night at 10.30 and asked me if I could preach. I told him I could, but I didn't have anything, so... Just went to bed trusting that the Lord would give me something. And I believe that what we have here this morning is what he's given to me for you. So let's begin reading in verse number, verse number 1 of Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And to save a little time, we're going to end reading there and just open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy inspired scripture. I thank you that we have the promise that it does not return void to us, Lord. I pray that your Holy Ghost would bring conviction and would bring encouragement in those areas where there's needed for conviction and there's needed uh, for encouragement, Lord. I ask that you would give me the words to say and no more. Lord, I just pray that you would control my tongue this morning and the way in which I would preach, Lord. I pray that it would be all of you and we pray for these things in your name. Amen. Well, if you were to go through the book of Romans, you would see a very natural progression, particularly in the first eight chapters and then even on through chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12. You would see a very natural progression. You would see in Romans chapter 1 that God has revealed himself to us through his creation. You would see also in Romans chapter 1 and going into Romans chapter 2 that God has revealed himself to us through the conscience. And then we would see in Romans chapter 3, also in Romans chapter 4, that God has revealed himself to us through the law. Those laws which are, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, his written word. And then we would see in Romans chapter 4 also, in Romans chapter 3, uh, the way in which we can escape the condemnation of sin and the condemnation of the law. That is salvation as a free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we would see in Romans chapter 5 the many blessings, the many manifold blessings that Romans chapter 5 just touches on. That much more chapter in Romans chapter 5 talking about the grace of God in Romans chapter 5, talking about our inheritance and our benefits to salvation. And then we see in Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6, after a 
person rejoices over what they have in salvation, after a person rejoices over the grace of God and what they have in salvation, Paul lays down what I believe is the very foundation. Paul lays down what I believe is the very, the very crux of your Christian life and everything that it is about and nothing more. In Romans chapter 6, where Paul goes through and says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then he goes on in verse number 15. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. He goes through and he talks about this law versus grace, that if we're saved by grace, the question is, do I then have the license to sin? And Paul says, God forbid, how shall you that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We have that mindset in our carnal, fleshly minds that if God is just going to forgive me anyway, I can go ahead and do it and then ask forgiveness later. Paul reveals that this is nothing but a slap in the face at the grace of God. And it's nothing but a misunderstanding of what the grace of God is and what the grace of God teaches us. For the grace of God does not teach us to live a life of sin and to live a life of lasciviousness and to live a life of covetousness and to live a life in the flesh. But the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness, we should submit ourselves to God and what he's revealed to us in Scripture. We have that in our own mindset, in our own Christian walk. We have those, what we call besetting sins, those sins that we struggle with. Indeed, the Bible talks about um, besetting things, but it doesn't talk about besetting sins necessarily. But we have those things where we've convinced ourselves that there are these sins that are bigger than the grace of God. That there are these certain sins, whether that's gossip, whether that's lust, whether that's covetousness, whether that's our pride, that there are just these certain sins where I just can't help myself, that every time I'm convinced, I'm, I'm, uh, I fall under um, temptation that I always submit underneath that sin, the grace of God just doesn't seem to be big enough to conquer that sin in my life. And Paul reveals that those very thoughts are a lie a lie from your own mind, a lie from Satan, wherever it lies, but it is indeed a lie. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that we were the servants of sin. We were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed that form, uh, have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. What form of doctrine? Do you know that the Christian life begins with the gospel? If I were to ask you what the gospel is, you would tell me that it's defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, and three days later he rose again, showing you that he is God, showing you that he died on the cross for your sins, that you could never get to heaven by your good works, that you could never help yourself get to heaven by your good works, that your salvation has nothing to do with you, and 
everything to do with what Jesus Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. That you, by believing that, will enter into heaven one day. And that Jesus Christ proved himself to be God in the flesh whenever he rose again from the dead. That is the gospel. And so many of us think that the gospel of Jesus Christ stops at the moment of salvation. But Paul was very clear throughout Scripture and throughout these, these chapters that we're trying to very quickly go through in Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8 and all throughout your New Testament at every single time it says in Christ, in Christ. It is talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ that your sanctification your life in Christ has everything to do with the same thing that brought you to salvation from hell. That the very same thing that saved you from an eternal penalty, penalty in the lake of fire is the very same thing that delivers you from a life of sin. It is the gospel. It is that form of doctrine. The form of doctrine that he's talking about is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 6, verse 17, using that form of doctrine. And that form of doctrine of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is outlined for us in Romans chapter 6. Paul says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that that master sin over us, that, that taskmaster over us, that thing over us, that thing in our hearts that used to beat us into submission saying, you must sin, you must sin. And you could then honestly say that I couldn't help myself, that God says that 2,000 years ago, when he included you on the cross, when, he, when, he, when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross to save you from your sins, he also did some magnificent miracle in which he took that master sin over you and nailed him to the cross, and that he is not alive anymore inside of you, though he might feel alive inside of you sometimes, that the Bible says that you need to know this, that he's dead inside of you. Therefore, you never have any reason, never have any excuse, never have any hope, never have any hope to stand before God and say, I just couldn't help myself. God says, I've given you a way to escape the destruction of your sin. You could have helped yourself. You could have just trusted in the gospel that I delivered to you, that form of doctrine, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin you are not the servant of sin Paul goes through in Romans chapter 6 and says, Far be it from us how, how just astonishing it is for you to have been delivered by the miraculous power of the mighty hand of God, for you to have been delivered from the bondage of sin, the corruption of sin, the destruction of sin, and then you as a Christian to continue in that. Oh, my soul, death hath no more dominion over him. Paul says. He says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. The key to the Christian life is just yielding. It's not, if I just had a little bit more willpower... It's not if I just had a little bit more discipline. It's not if I just follow this method and follow this plan. It's about yielding to the Holy Ghost. The title of this message is The Law 
of the Spirit. And we see as Paul outlines and sets up in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, he sets this up by establishing that form of doctrine, the death, burial, and resurrection. The same means by which you are saved from a penalty in hell is the same means by which you are saved from a life of sin. And Paul goes through then in Romans chapter 7 and reveals to, to us a war inside of him that is a war inside that each and, us, each and every one of us experience. That war inside that seems to contradict that which Paul laid down, that which God laid down in Romans chapter 6. He summarizes that war inside of us in Romans chapter 7, verse 22. He says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members, that Paul reveals to us that those things that he would do, he doesn't do. That when he would go out and witness the gospel, he doesn't do it. And those things that he wouldn't do, that he would stay away from, those sins that he would say no to, he finds himself doing it. Even though God had delivered him from the dominion of sin, he says, inside of me there's a war. There's a war of the laws of the members of my flesh, and there's a war in the law of the Spirit that is in Christ Jesus. And I have these two things conflicting me all the time. And he says in the end of Romans chapter 8, he throws up his hand. As he says, I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, to the law of sin which is in my members, that captivity which should not be over me, that captivity that I have been delivered from through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I am in a war inside of me, and I find myself, when I want to do that which is good, I do that which is evil, and when I want to do that which is evil, I do, I, when I don't want to do that, which is evil, I do that, um, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. It's actually, if you read that passage that I'm talking about, it's just as much of a tongue twister. You go home and you meditate on that, and you'll read it the first time, and it'll be a tongue twister, and it won't make much sense to you, but as you read it and you meditate on it, you'll be like, wow, that's me. I totally get you, Paul. The common experience of the war inside of us. I'm skipping, and that's a good thing. Paul throws up his hands as an exclamation in the end of Romans chapter 7, almost seeming like he's in a frustration over understanding the deliverance that he has from his sin yet finding himself submitting unto the law of sin. And he throws up his hands and he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he rejoices in the next chapter, giving to you the answer that is the key focal point of not just your salvation from hell, but your salvation from a life of sin. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There is Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
No condemnation. Really? No condemnation? If you are saved, if you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb, you're sitting here this morning, you're on your way to heaven, the Bible calls you in Christ. Doesn't matter how you feel, if you feel like you're in Christ or not, it's not a matter of feeling, it's just, it's just an objective fact. You are in Christ. Not under the condemnation of hellfire, this is not what this condemnation is talking about but under the condemnation of the misery of your sin. The death that it created inside of you and the gap of separation you have with your heavenly Father where he feels distant from you more often than he feels close to you. That condemnation, that conviction of sin inside of you, Christian. The Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Yet many of us feel condemned inside of us. And I'll give you a little preference. The reason that we get that confused is because the sentence hasn't ended there. To them which walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, there is therefore now no condemnation. But to them that are walking after the flesh here this morning, there is condemnation in your heart. God is not as close to you that he should be. If his voice ever speaks to you, it's a very, 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 very small voice. Your heart is hardened. You continue in your sin and your flesh, and the things that used to bother you, they don't bother you anymore. Many of you know this doctrine that I've outlined. Many of you have heard it time and time and time again. The Christ life. Romans 6, knowing, reckoning, presenting, yielding. You know this doctrine. This is not the first time you've heard it. It's a doctrine that you nod either in your head, you praise God with your voice, or you amen in your heart. Yet this is a doctrine that you do not live in. You know it, but you don't live it. Many of you have known about a certain sin issue for quite some time. You know the recipe for escape. You find yourself at the end of the day, though, at the end of the day, you've failed God. Not just here and there, but throughout the day. And this has become a pattern for many of us sitting here today. The pattern is is that we wake up in the morning and we intend to serve God, yet at the end of the day, we find that we didn't. You wake up in the morning, you say, I'm going to, by the grace of God, watch my tongue, only to find yourself failing almost with the first person you meet. No condemnation. Oh, there's condemnation. You finish your devotions, you are convicted of your temporal mindset, you commit your heart to God, asking Him to keep your heart focused on eternal things, only to find that when the first little problem arises, you are in the flesh, not rejoicing over what God is trying to teach you in the problem, but angry at the guy, guy who created the problem because He's not perfect like you. No condemnation. Or you are convicted of your pride, 
And you, so you memorize verses and you try to humble yourself in the sight of God because the scripture commands us. And you try to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You try to esteem others better than yourself. Sorry, the scripture says in Philippians 2, 3, esteem other, not esteem others. You say, what's the difference? You know, the Bible uses the word others, and it uses the word other, but in this case, it uses the word other because it wants you to focus not on people in general, but focus on that guy, esteem other, another. Focus on that girl, esteem other, another. Not just people in general. That you would make it personal, that it would hit you more deeply, that it would convict you more deeply. You try to esteem others better than yourself only to find you yourself believing that you deserve what position? You deserve that possessions that other people hold. And you ask yourself, why would God give to them and not to me? Only to find that you're able to esteem some better than yourself, but there are just certain people that you cannot esteem better than yourself. Or you go through all of this and you find that you just cannot control your thoughts of pride, your thoughts of lust, your thoughts of bitterness, your thoughts of covetousness. You just cannot control them. There are things that pop into your mind before you even have a, you even have a moment to resist the temptation. The thought is there, the sin is conceived, and you die in your flesh. You are guilty of the sin then, and you put your hands up and say, how do I escape the sin and Paul had the same thing. He put his hands up in the air and he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Oh, but there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. To them which are in Christ Jesus that walk after the flesh, there is condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus that walk after the Spirit, there is never sin. There is never condemnation. The moment that you sin is the moment that you walk in the flesh. Oh, Christian, understand the grace and the power that God has given available to you. To live a life of victory and not a life of defeat. To live a life of continual and constant victory in Christ Jesus and not a life of defeat. Yes, you find yourself, though, because so many of us sitting here today walk after the flesh and not after the Spirit. We find ourselves condemned by our tongue, condemned by our temporal values, condemned by our pride, condemned by our lust, condemned by any number of sin, sins. And thus we find that sin has dominion over us because we're defeated on a regular basis. Instead of being victorious Christians, instead of being the conquerors and the more than conquerors that God has set us out to be, we find ourselves full of the flesh and full of sin and full of defeat. Yet God has promised us that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. In verse 2, the title of the message is the law of the spirit. For the law of the spirit in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit? What is that? 
Paul defines something. He portrays something here, and he doesn't even give us a definition. It's as if we, we should already know that from Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7, but he tells us its effectiveness. He tells us that it frees us from the law of sin and the law of death, that it frees us from be defe being defeated continually in our Christian lives. And the law of the Spirit is that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, and so was your old man. And Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, and so was your new man. The law of the Spirit is that Holy Ghost inside of you that teaches you and speaks to you and convicts you and tells you to go this way and tells you to go that way and says, don't go over there. And the law of the Spirit is to obey that through the power of God. And when you do that, you walk in the Spirit. You're not defeated. You're victorious. When you do that, you walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And when you say no to that still small voice inside of you, that is the moment that you say yes to your flesh. You're in your sin and you're therefore condemned. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, weak through the flesh. Do you understand that the Christian life, it's not about you figuring out how you can discipline yourself into keeping God's laws. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7 that you cannot keep God's laws. And he says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 3 here that the law of sin, the law is weak. I cannot keep it because of the strength of my flesh. I can never keep God's laws. I will always find myself failing. Yet many of us, we get saved, we enter into this Christian life, and we assume that the life of Christ, the life of the Christian, is no different than the monk in a monastery. Oh, they discipline themselves. Some of them, many of them, are better people than you and I. At least it seems that way. But God reveals to us that you can never please Him through your flesh. You can put all the self-discipline that you want in your life. You can do all of these things to try to please God and in your flesh, whatever it is that seems that you think that you've conquered in your flesh, God says it's not pleasing to Him. That keeping the law through the flesh is not pleasing to Him, but keeping the law through the Spirit, through the power of God, through obeying the Holy Ghost inside of you, now that's pleasing to Him. Because then that becomes a work that you don't do, but a work that God does inside of you. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. You notice that it doesn't say that I might fulfill the righteousness of the law. As if we would actually have to say that after he goes through Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7, understanding the hopelessness of you pleasing God through your own flesh. As if he would actually have to say that. But understand that the righteousness that is in you is not fulfilled through your discipline and your flesh, but it is only fulfilled that God puts it inside of you and changes you, that he makes you a new creature being conformed to his image day by day. It simply says that it's fulfilled in you. That you don't fulfill it, but that the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in you. In verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, 
But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 5, the key words there are, do mind. They that are in the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit. They that are in the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. It is what, when we get where the rubber meets the road. It's when you wake up in the morning and you do your devotions. And you have a sweet communion and fellowship with God. And then you get in your car and you drive to work. And you find by midday that you've hardly spoken to God, that you've hardly communed with Him. And those things that you committed at the altar that you would have victory over, you find yourself in the same place. Thus you are condemned. Thus you are in the flesh. And all of this, all of this struggle in the Christian life where we seem to be spinning our wheels and going nowhere, all of this is due to our own pride. You see, we get up from our devotions and we think, well, God's given me the strength, I can do it. And we go on presumptuously. Not communion with God. Not saying, Lord, help me. What do I say in this situation? Not asking the Lord to protect us as we drive to work. Not thanking Him for giving us protection as we've arrived at work. When we enter into a conversation with people, the reason that we have trouble controlling our tongue is because we don't even ask the Lord what we ought to say. And thus we submit ourselves before we even get behind the wheel of our car. We submit ourselves to the law of the flesh. We're already in the flesh. And thus we're already condemned throughout the rest of the day. And we've washed all of Romans chapter 6 away. We've washed all of Romans chapter 7 away. We've washed all of Romans chapter 8 away. And we're then no different than the Catholic priest. We're no different than the Buddhist monk. We're just trying to please God through the power of our flesh. And we find ourselves, just like Paul in Romans chapter 7, defeated again and again and again and again. Because you can never, ever, ever please God through your flesh. You will always fail, Christian always because God is trying to get you to a place where you say Lord I cannot do this I can't control my tongue and so when I engage in a conversation I say Lord what would you have me to say and we find ourselves not communion with God and thus we hush out the spirit that is inside of us and then his voice is then so very hard for us to hear there's a song that I sing with my kids. <clears throat> it kind of summarizes this law of the Spirit. We don't have time to go through all of what I would like to go through with you, which is just really a little bit more. But the song goes, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. It's very simple, guys. It's just about saying yes. It's just about being humble. And understanding that you can't do it. 
And you need God in every single moment of your life and asking him and communing with him. And when, when he speaks to you, you say yes to what he's speaking to you about. And the moment that you say no to what he's speaking to you about, the moment that you say maybe later to what he's speaking to you about, is the moment that you then exist in the flesh, and there is thus condemnation to you. Is the moment that you go into the weak, and weak elements of the flesh, where you've failed again and again and again and will forever fail, Moments, every moment where you just rely on God for everything and say yes in every situation is the place where you're walking in the Spirit. And when you're walking in the Spirit, Christian, you do not fail. You do not sin. When you sin is the moment when God says something to you and you say no. That's Bible might not seem right inside of you. The worrying in your members might tell you something different. But that's Bible. I'm going to give you a testimony in closing. I have been convicted about my pride for the longest time. Thoughts went into my mind that I cannot control. And I confess my sin, but knowing that I cannot conquer it. Our brother preached a message on pride, and I asked the Lord to resolve this pride issue for me in this revival meeting, and he preached a message on pride, and I went to the altar, and I confessed to the Lord my pride, but I told him, Lord, there are things inside of me, thoughts that enter my mind that I have no control over. They just come, and by the time they come, I've already sinned. I said, Lord, I don't know how to conquer this, and I got up and walked away. I didn't feel any different. But I will tell you that the Lord changed me. Am I a humble person? No, not by far. But I can tell you that those thoughts that used to enter into my mind all the time, they don't, they don't come anymore. You see that God is trying to teach us that this Christ life, this living the Christian life, is not about you disciplining yourself, but it's about you submitting and yielding yourself to the Holy Ghost in each and every moment of the day. The, the law of the Spirit. Don't live the Christian life by the law of the flesh. God has given you a way of victory. Why live in a way of defeat? You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.